lot of things that are attributed to the Holy Spirit that I can honestly say that I know are not of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the reason I know that is not because of any other reason other than the fact that if it goes against the Word of God, it is not the Holy Spirit. Um, in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21, let's just read that. Second Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God uh, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we uh, look into your word, and I pray that it will be a blessing and an encouragement unto your people. Lord, help us to be sound in the word. And Father, help us to understand the person of the Holy Spirit and how that he works in accordance to the word. Help us to know more about him and help us, Lord, to understand uh, him better. And Father, I pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, to be on guard against those who would, through the uh, teachings of the Holy Spirit, proclaim things that are not in accordance to your Holy Word. And so help us, Lord, to be aware of that and to beware. In Jesus' name, and amen. Um, yeah, it's not presenting itself right up here on my screen. I can't see what I did a little while ago. Uh, so I'll see if I can get this to work. What's here is not what's up here. I can't tell what I'm doing. Uh, our teaching from the Word of God begins at this passage for a very important purpose. Um, like I said, many in our today in our day uh, promote sometimes unscriptural doctrines and practices under the guise of uh, the supposed leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, if the Holy Spirit does not work in accordance to the Word of God and He just rambles on here or there, underneath the guise of Christianity, people could say a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit said this, and the Holy Spirit said that, and the Holy Spirit told me to do this or, or to go there. Uh, folks, we've got to be very careful uh, about those kind of things. Uh, the truth is this, the, the Spirit will never, ever uh, teach us uh, contrary to the Scriptures. Never will teach us contrary to the Scriptures. Now that sounds very elementary to maybe most of us that are here, uh, but let me tell you what, a lot of, a lot of people out there underneath Christianity do, do not get that very basic point. But it is very vital because if you do not get that, you can be led into all kinds of different things. A man can get up and can speak in a pulpit for hours upon hours, all underneath the guise of being led by the Holy Spirit, and never open up the Word of God. And so we've got to be very careful of that. So it's a very important truth, especially in, in, in our day and age with, with the extreme charismatic uh, movement uh, there, there are many in, in the Christian faith circles that, that speak of the Holy Spirit saying or doing things uh, that actually sometimes even go in contrary to the Word of God. We must be very careful of that. 
the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that He is the Spirit of truth. That's what Jesus said. Jesus also said His Word is truth. This book is inspired and given in accordance to the Word of God by the Spirit of God. What we have is God-breathed through the Holy Spirit. The Lord speaks to us by His Spirit through the Word of God. Listen, that sounds simple, elementary, but it is true. Listen, the Word of God is our guide. The Spirit leads us through it. Now, do I believe in, in promptings of the Holy Spirit leading us to, to talk to people about the Gospel and, and leading our lives like that? Of course I do. But there is no truth that will ever be revealed unto us that is apart from the written Word of God. And we must understand this. I, I agree with Spurgeon when he said, whatever is to be revealed by the Spirit to any of us in the Word of God already, He adds nothing to the Bible and never will. Let persons who have revelations of this, that, and the other go to bed and wake up in their senses. I only wish they would follow the advice and no longer insult the Holy Ghost by laying their nonsense at His door. Uh, so to begin with, how do we learn about the Holy Spirit? If we want to learn about the Holy Spirit this morning, what do we do? Do we get up and turn and each of us talk about the Holy Spirit in our life to, to inform everybody else about the Holy Spirit and how He's working, how He's moving? Of course not. Do we go to TV evangelists and ask them about the Holy Spirit and, and what they say He says? Of course not. We must go to the Word of God that is breathed by the Holy Spirit of God to find out what He says about Himself. I mean, if you want to know something about the Holy Spirit, listen to what the Holy Spirit says about Himself through the Word of God that He gave us that tells us about Him. Listen, if we get off on that one listen if you don't hear anything else from the rest of the message uh, get that because that's the most important part of the message because if we don't have that listen I've talked to many people uh, sometimes about some of these things and if we can't agree on that this is the word of God inspired by God it tells us about God then we have nothing else to build upon now let's first of all deal with the personality of the Holy Spirit. The personality of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for fixing this, by the way, Mateo. Uh, by personality, we mean that the Holy Spirit is not merely some impersonal energy or just some sort of influence. Now, some of us have been Christians for a while, so why would you say that or why is this important? I think it's important for a lot of reasons because especially in our day and age when we see a lot of the, the new age stuff that's coming back in, uh, the, the, the Zen stuff. And I'll tell you another thing I don't like. I don't like all this, this saying of sending people vibes. I don't like that. I can't send you vibes, okay? Um, anyhow, I just I don't like that kind of talk. I, uh, anyhow, uh, the Holy Spirit, He is a self-conscious self-determined, willing, feeling intelligence. In the Scriptures, He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is not simply a supernatural force, okay? The Holy Spirit is proven to be a person uh, by several scriptural assertions. 
some of these quick assertions is, as listed here, the first uh, three on the screen. Uh, one, the Holy Spirit is mentioned along with the other members of the Trinity in the Godhead. In the baptismal formula in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, we are to baptize how? In the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy uh, Spirit. And, and so name, Holy Spirit. So He is a person. The Holy Spirit is mentioned in other places in association with other persons in regard to a personal relationship. Now, again, let me remind you, I'm not turning to all these scriptures. We don't have time. They're for your reference only. If you see a scripture in bold, we will probably turn to that one. Now, we see the Holy Spirit has the ability to will and to be grieved. The Holy Spirit is inside of us as, as a people of God, and, and He has emotions. The Bible talks about Him being grieved like a person. He can be blasphemed. He can be lied to. And a mere force uh, cannot uh, do that. There are so many personal acts are ascribed to the Holy Spirit as well. He, he said in the Word of God to search the deep things of God. He speaks. He teaches. He leads and guides. He intercedes. And honestly, that there's a, we could spend a whole lot of time on each one of these, and that, but that's just not the purpose of these lessons. Uh, it's just a basic Bible doctrine. Um, he intercedes for us. Uh, he, he bestows gifts. He calls men to service. These are some of His activities that are personal uh, in the hearts of His people. Uh, the use of the masculine pronoun is used in reference to the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. So uh, we'll read that one in, in regards to what Jesus says uh, about Him in John chapter 16. In verse uh, 13 and 14, uh, Jesus says this, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit never guides you apart from truth. Well, what is truth? The truth is the Word of God, right? For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. That One of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not to bring glory unto himself and so but there jesus speaks of him in the masculine he 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 so he is a person so if he is not a person then jesus christ either lied or he misunderstood who the holy spirit is and so i know it's a simple thought but i'm just establishing that he is a person uh, the application uh, the masculine noun that is translated uh, him as the comforter. Uh, it, can't, it can't be translated as, as comfort. It's comforter. It is a person. Now, A.W. Tozer uh, said this regarding the Holy Spirit. He said, spell this out in capital letters. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not enthusiasm. He is not courage. He is not energy. He is not the personification of all good qualities. Like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit 
is not the personification of anything. He has individuality. And so just uh, take that for what it is. I thought that was a really, very good uh, quote. And so he's not a force. Hope you understand that and make that distinction. Now, let's talk here, because I think this is important in regards to the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's talk about the relation of the Holy Spirit to uh, the day of Pentecost. Because here's where a lot of people sometimes get off in regards to the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's talk about a few things uh, here. First of all, uh, just because Jesus Christ said that the Holy Spirit would come doesn't mean He wasn't always here, but He was going to come in a different manner. Uh, the Holy Spirit was in existence before Pentecost. But Jesus was talking about in a different manner in which He would come. He is co-eternal with the Father uh, and the Son. He had access to the earth and operated in man even before Pentecost. As seen in various passages we have listed there in Genesis and Nehemiah and Psalm and Isaiah and even in 2 Peter in our text how that He moved in holy men of God and and spoke uh, the scriptures. And so he was already working and moving in people then. Now he did come on the day of Pentecost in very special capacity, which explains what, why Christ said what he did in his promise to send the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit came one time in the Old Testament whenever uh, the tabernacle was reared up and completed. Can you, can you remember that? When the tabernacle was reared up and completed, uh, we find in Numbers and also in 2 Chronicles 7. Let's read, let's read the account in 2 Chronicles. Um, because I think it is a, a prefigure, if you would, uh, of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm finding it harder and harder to talk while I'm turning to my passage in the Bible. It's like I cannot do those two things at once. Second um, Chronicles 7 and verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, he, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is God, for His mercy endures forever. Holy Spirit worship, will always, Holy Spirit presence will always lead to worship. And that's what we see in the time when the temple is finished. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit here, no doubt, filling the temple and causing people to fall to the ground and to worship the Lord. To worship the Lord. Um, we see that in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 through 3. The Lord's Spirit fills here uh, the temple. When the temple was finally complete, and, and to show ownership, and to show that this was the Lord's temple where He was to be worshipped, to show that He owned it, to show possession. Uh, it's, it's in like manner that we actually see in the New Testament, the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost uh, really meant uh, both, of these things, okay? It meant both of these things uh, to the church of Christ. Jesus showed His ownership of the church by, by the filling of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He showed His leadership through the church when He did that. And so this was done to show that, 
that that group of believers right there in Acts, that they belonged to the Lord. And He was leading them and working through them. It was not the start of the church, but the church was already here, but it showed the Spirit's presence showed the Lord working through that uh, assembly. The presence also of the Holy Spirit and individuals reveals that the Lord owns them and will lead them. I mean, we have a promise as individuals as well that, that the presence of the Holy Spirit says to us, we belong to Him. And the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 talks about how that the Spirit is given to us as an earnest or a down payment of the future uh, possession that we have before us. The presence of the Holy Spirit is God saying, I own you, I've bought you, and there's more to come. So what a wonderful promise He is. Now if we are individuals with the Holy Spirit, and this as well is a church which Jesus Christ owns, then what should happen when we come together as individuals with the Spirit in us and with the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church, praise should happen. Glorification of Jesus Christ should happen. That's what He does. Worship should happen. Praises of God, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Bowing of our heads and worshiping God. Worshiping the Father and worshiping the Son, worshiping them. The Holy Spirit does not ask for worship. And I don't understand that, but He does not ask for worship. But He channels our worship. He glorifies the Son. Now the Spirit came in fulfillment of prophecy in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. There's a promise of Him coming. Uh, the Spirit came to empower the church. The Spirit came to empower the church. The Spirit didn't come to start the church. Now that sounds... Say, so what's, the, what's the difference in that? Where's the big difference? Jesus Christ came and He started the church. He organized the church. Uh, he called out the disciples. He had them there. Uh, he talked about the church being present while He was there, about how to function in the church during His ministry. The church did not start at Pentecost, but the church was empowered at Pentecost. And that's a complete different thing altogether. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. The existing church that Christ started, they were baptized at the very beginning in the Spirit. In verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now we have no reason to believe that we should ever seek this again. It happened once. But one of the evidences of the presence and the empowering of the Spirit of God in this congregation is that we are witnesses of Christ. Say, so, well, how can we know if the Holy Spirit is among us and at work here at New Testament Baptist Church? 
Not simply because we just have our doctrine right about who the Holy Spirit is or, or that He came on the day of Pentecost, all of those things. Listen, the evidence that we have the Holy Spirit here is that we are witnesses out there of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can have our doctrines right in theory, but listen, if we're not witnesses, we don't have the power. And that's just Bible. <laughs> that's just Bible. When the Holy Spirit came in power, the first thing Jesus said was what? You shall be witnesses to me. And so we're not telling people about Jesus, then the, word of, the, the Spirit of God is not working in power. Now the Spirit came as the abiding comforter and teacher and indweller of the believers. It's one of the ways you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you. In John chapter 14, Jesus spoke about this work or activity of the person of the Holy Spirit. In John 14 and verse 16, He said this, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper or another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot Receive. So let me say this, that one of the best ways you can comfort people is with truth. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? And He gives us truth. And listen, how He comforts is with truth. So many times, that's all we need reminded of, isn't it? Is we just need reminded of what is true in accordance to the Word of God. And that teaches this. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And so definitely a different work or activity of the Holy Spirit. So what all changed there between uh, the death of Christ and, and from the Old Testament and the life of the death of Christ and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling? Listen, there's obviously a change there. I don't understand all of that, but Jesus talks about it and it is there. But the Spirit came here, obviously, to be in us. And He comes to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, according to Jesus in John chapter 16 and verse 8 through 11. And He does that how? Through the Word of God that is preached and proclaimed. He does it through uh, the Lord's people. We have the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, let me tell you what and you're proclaiming the Word of God like we're supposed to be, then you know what's going to happen? Some, convict, some convincing is going to happen. Some conviction is going to happen. Because He convinces the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Some people say, well, if you're just full of the Holy Spirit, you're never going to tell people about judgment. Well, the Holy Spirit convinces people of judgment. The Holy Spirit convinces people of what is right, of righteousness. He convinces the world of sin. I, I, I read a book, and honestly, I, I actually got a lot out of the book recently, uh, but I've just come, I can't really recommend it. Um, but I felt like I could read it and get a lot of good out of it. Uh, but one of the things that was stated for, from, this, from this gentleman was, was the fact that he's been witnessing for 50 years and nobody's ever got upset with him because of the way he's presented the gospel. I'm like, I don't understand that. Now, we shouldn't purposely offend. 
But if you're going to tell people about sin, at some point in time, people, it's not going to set well. Not that we should personally or, or purposely have a bad attitude or arrogance or have a, you know, a chip on our shoulder. But listen, talking about sin to a person who's lost in their sin, they're not, always, not everybody's going to like that. Now, not even people who are Lord are going to save. I didn't like it. Whenever I was lost, I didn't like hearing about sin. It offended me to hear about sin. I didn't like it because it went against me. And so we don't have a message that, that's just with, that's going to always be presented in a manner where everybody's going to love it and accept it. Listen, when the Holy Spirit's at work, it convinces men of judgment, of judgment to come, of righteousness, of what is right. So therefore it shows them what is wrong. And that's not pleasant to hear. But we as individuals with the Holy Spirit and with the gospel, we've got to be willing to be put in that place and to be part of that work. Now the Spirit's coming in, in regard to Pentecost. I believe it was dispensational and final. In other words, we as a church are not to be looking for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. That happened on that day when Christ said it would happen. And we're never encouraged in, in the Word of God to seek after that again. And that's where a lot of people get off as they look for that second baptism of the Holy Spirit in a congregation or a second blessing of the Holy Spirit in individuals' lives. The Bible does not talk about that. There is no Scripture that can justify the belief that that Pentecost is something that we should seek after to be repeated over and over again or a fresh experience in each believer. Now, since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enters, of course, every believer, working conversion, and He never departs. He never departs from the child of God. We're taught that in many passages in John 7 and Romans 8 and Ephesians 1. Yet, yet, at the same time, what's interesting about that is when you understand that, at the same time, many of those who promote charismaticism and, and all of those things, they also believe, many believe, in that realm that you can lose your salvation. So they believe that there's the Holy Spirit within you and then He's gone. He's in you and He's gone. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that at all. He indwells us. He stays with us. He's a promise to be there for us, that we belong to God. And so it's interesting to me that they're supposed to have this second blessing they can get, but yet they don't even understand that when the Holy Spirit comes in a believer, He stays. There's just so much wrong with all of that. But for us as believers... Uh, what, what should we do? How did that clock get to 11.20 all of a sudden? I mean, it just all of a sudden like went up there. That was weird. The Spirit is present. I've seen Him working. He's saying, Jack, shut up in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy, I can't believe I did that. All right, the believers should see. Here's what the believers should do. The believers are taught in the Scriptures not to, not to seek a baptism of the Holy Spirit in that sense, but we are taught to be filled with the Spirit. And so I think it's, it's, it's important to distinguish that difference for just a minute. Turn to Ephesians 5. 
I just don't have time, and neither do I want to take the time to deal with all of the other stuff. Um, but let, let's deal with the scripture to deal with here that teaches us regarding the Holy Spirit, because this is what we are taught. This is the church to Ephesus, Gentile church, uh, long after Pentecost, and so definitely uh, some good instruction here for us, I think, as a church here today. But in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And do not uh, be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled uh, with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Um, being filled with the Spirit here is likened being drunk. And what happens when you're drunk? You're underneath the control of the alcohol. It guides how you think, it guides how you talk, it guides how you act. Being filled with the Spirit means you need to be under the complete control of the Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit, but you need to be underneath His control. In other words, you need to yield to Him. You need to yield to Him. You need to speak what He tells you to speak. Right? You need to walk the way He tells you to walk. Being filled with the Spirit, I believe one of the things it means is to be in complete submission and control of the authority of the Word of God in your life. Remember, the Spirit breathes the Word of God. To be under the control of the Holy Spirit, like one would be under the control or the influence of a drunkenness of alcohol, to be under control of the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to go to the Word of God. I'm going to think how God tells me to think in His Word. I'm going to speak how God tells me to speak. I'm going to act how God tells me to act. Being underneath the filling with the Spirit means I'm going to be filled with the Spirit underneath the complete control of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. You cannot do that apart from the Word of God. You cannot do it apart from God's Word. Listen, that is so, so important and vital. So we have, all, listen, we have the Holy Spirit already in us. But listen, we also have that old man, that old nature in us. And sometimes we allow him a little more control than what we should. We need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we're not always under the full control as we ought to be of the Holy Spirit. He fills us whenever we are in His control. We are then emptied more of selfishness. We're emptied more of sin. And the more completely the, the Spirit fills us and we're underneath His control, the greater of the manifestation of His power will be in our lives. In other words, when we're underneath His control more, one of the things that will happen will be what we said earlier, we will be better witnesses, powerful witnesses, of the Lord Jesus Christ of the gospel. And another one of the greatest evidences of the fullness and control of the Holy Spirit is found by the fruits of the Spirit. See, we see a lot of things. Listen, I don't want to encourage you to do this, uh, but I, I've been online enough, I've seen social media enough, I've been on some crazy sites enough to see some things that are done underneath the name of the Holy Spirit at work and at move and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is nowhere near some of that stuff. They're acting crazy and, and running around and, and just jumping and falling down. and I mean, that stuff goes on. But you don't see that in the Word of God. The only time, the only time you see that kind of activity 
is when it's demonic activity, that might offend some people. The only time you see it is when it's demonic activity, and you see it as well like on, on Mount Carmel. And it wasn't the good guys. <laughs> um, anyhow, I won't chase that too long. Um, but in Galatians chapter 5, so what, what are the evidences of the Holy Spirit? Say, well, a little while ago, I said one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit is that, that we will be a witnessing church. We'll be a church that wants to get the gospel out. Are you underneath the control of the Holy Spirit in your life? Yeah, I feel it. I feel Him. I feel Him. I feel the Spirit. Okay, all right. Do you have a desire to tell people about Jesus? Well, no. Well, then what you're feeling isn't the Spirit. He always does that, folks. He glorifies Jesus. If you don't have a desire to glorify Christ, to point people to Him, if that desire is not even there, then where's the Spirit? But now here's, here's another thing. In Galatians 5, here's what is referred to as the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I don't always witness. I'm not saying I always witness like I should, okay? But I do know this, that whenever I'm walking with God and His Word, when I'm in the Word of God and the Word of God is in me, I'm meditating on it, I'm thinking about Jesus, I'm thinking about the Word of God, I know that when I go out into the world, I know I'm a better witness. I know I am. And so they work. They work. Um, but here in Galatians 5 and verse 22 here we have the list of the, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or temperance. Um, now this, this is good to consider because these fruits of the Spirit because oftentimes in our day of, of extreme emotionalism, sometimes that emotionalism that people express counter is can counter to the work of the fruit of the Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, when we see He's at work, He produces things like what? Peace. Gentleness. I tell you, I've, I've, been, I've been in services before where you could just sense the presence of the Lord in, in a different way, like, boy, the Lord is there and it wasn't because people were erratic. It was because there was a calm, a peace that seemed to sweep over everyone's heart and soul. And the presence of the Lord just seemed so evident. Not because we were loud. Not because, boy, the singing was just wonderful and everybody sang with all their hearts. Though I think that should happen. As in 2 Chronicles, we've seen that. They, they worshiped and glorified God. But sometimes it's seen by the great measure of peace, of gentleness, of stillness. Jesus came unto His disciples after He resurrected, and they were all talking about things and were a little bit of disarray. And, and Jesus enters the room, and Jesus is present. And all that hecticness as they're talking about the things that they've seen and heard and wondered about with Jesus and, and acting really hard telling what all they were saying. And Jesus just shows up and says this, Peace! Peace! Could you imagine the, the measure of peace that came across that place? After His resurrection, He shows up to the disciples and He says, Peace be unto you. So... 
yeah, I have a problem when people want to talk about the Holy Spirit is really at work and everybody's acting crazy. It's comical and sad at the same time whenever you see what people do in the person of the Holy Spirit. Mostly sad. When the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, you're yielding to Him, you're in the Word of God, you're abiding in the Word of God, He produces peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. And sometimes, I've seen times where, 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 where people talked about the Holy Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit was there, and somebody... And that, that person literally lost control of their body movement. Woo, Holy Spirit! And their people were on the ground. And they said, well, the Spirit, they're slain in the Spirit. The only time in the New Testament where you see someone falling down on the ground and throwing themselves around was not because of the Holy Spirit. Was it? So don't get caught up in that stuff. And it's so easy for people to get caught up in that. And I think it happens closer to our door here, not in here, but it happens closer to us here than what we realize. We've got to be aware of those things. All right. I've said enough about that. This Holy Spirit produces control, self-control, right? I, I couldn't help, as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help, I've got a few minutes here, and Tracy's going to start shaking her head here just a minute at me, but I like it when she does that sometimes. Um, I, I remember one of the times that, that I was dealing with a charismatic preacher, uh, and, and I was very calmly talking to him about the Word of God. And he was so far off on so many things, he was actually at a hospital, and I was just talking to him about the Word of God and trying to share with him the Scriptures, and he got so mad and angry. And I, I promise, I was as calm as a cucumber. And why are cucumbers calm, by the way? But I was calm as a cucumber, or cool as a cucumber. I guess cucumbers do get cool. Uh, but anyhow, I mean, I was, because I was, I was just praying, Lord, give me the right words. I was, I was just calm, cool, whatever. And he just gave, sharing the scriptures with him. And he got furiously angry at me because I didn't believe the way he did about the Holy Spirit. And hollering and screaming at me. And in a, in a hospital waiting room, it was very, very out of order. And um, I thought, wow, that's the Holy Spirit? Um, anyhow, I could tell you a little bit more about that sometime. I probably already have. I've been here 13 years. Surely I've told you that story. Uh, but I, I don't say that to, to make fun of that. Really, I really don't. But... Just to say this, that the Holy Spirit produces self-control, not being out of control. All right? Now, I don't know all that there is to know about the Holy Spirit, but what I do know is this, is I'm not going to depend on other people to tell me what the Holy Spirit says. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to depend on the Word of God to tell me what the Holy Spirit says. And when I'm praying for leadership and guidance in my life, I'm not going to call somebody up on the phone and say, oh, what does the Holy Spirit want me to do? You know, I'm going to open up the Word of God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
I mean, there, there are people that get so caught up in trying to find, I feel, I feel sorry for people. They, want, they say they want leadership and direction so often, but, and hopefully you don't get on those kind of crazy, charismatic, quote, Christian channels that, that people call in all the time trying to find out what God wants them to do. You only just send a little bit of an offering. But I don't know all there's to know about the Holy Spirit, but I know this. He's not going to lead you away from this book. He's not going to teach you anything that's counter, in counter to this. goes against it. But look, if we're, what we're going to believe about the Holy Spirit, let's believe all that we know about Him in accordance to the Word of God. And let's only believe that which we are certain of by looking at what the Scriptures have to say and not what other men have to say about the Holy Spirit. I, I like this quote here by R.A. Torrey. He said, The conception of the Holy Spirit as a divine influence or power that we are somehow to get hold of and use leads to self-exaltation and self-sufficiency. One who so thinks of the Holy Spirit and who at the same time imagines that he has received the Holy Spirit will almost inevitably be full of spiritual pride and strut about as if he belonged to some superior order of Christians. I see that among those who promote the second blessing. He didn't say that, I just said that. One frequently hears such persons say, I am a Holy Ghost man, or I am a Holy Ghost woman. But if we once grasp the thought that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty and glory and holiness and power who, is mar who in marvelous condescension has come into our hearts to make us His abode there and take possession of our lives and make use of them, it will put us in the dust and keep us in the dust. I can think of no thought more humbling or more overwhelming than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me. He was basically just addressing the fact that he had seen people who talked about the second blessing and being a Holy Ghost person, Christian, are prideful and arrogant about having the Holy Spirit. And that if we have the Holy Spirit, we should actually be extremely humble because He's there within us. Isn't it amazing to think about? As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And He's in each of us. Explain that, would you please? I can't, but it's true. It's biblical. And you can't explain that to the world. You can't explain that to a lost person, can you? You just can't. But as a believer, you know it's true. And you know you have the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, if you're wondering, say, am I a child of God? Am I a believer? Well, listen, one, one of the, if, you're, if you're struggling with some doubts and concerns about that, listen, open up the Word of God, please. His Spirit will testify to your spirit if you are a child of God through the Word of God. You don't need confirmation from me to say, hey, I know you're saved. Hey, I know you're saved. Listen, that's the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Open up the Word of God and, and pray the Lord. Say, Lord, show me if I'm a child of God. He'll tell you what, I think He'll show you. And you know what He'll do? The Scriptures will come to you and reveal to you where you are at. good place to start is 1 John. Read the book of 1 John. It talks so much about the Holy Spirit. So much about His work in our life. 
Because that book is given to us, I've said this so many times, was given to us to give us assurance that we are the sons of God. Listen, go to the Word of God prayerfully. Pray to God. And you know what? If the Holy Spirit is there, He will bear witness to that. If you're struggling with some doubts and, and, and fears about that. If you're not certain, you can be certain. We can know that we are the children of God. How? By the work of the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, use this, I pray, uh, Lord, in the hearts of your people. And I pray that it might make those as well who are without the Spirit of God, Lord, that they would listen, that you would use this through your word to reveal unto them that they need life from above, that they need to be brought up to life, be regenerated from death unto life by the power of the work of regeneration, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And Father, I pray that you do that for someone that's lost here today and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ to repent of their sins and believe upon Him. That's a work that only you can do. It's not something they can even do of themselves. You must draw them. You must work in them. And we pray that you would do that and help us as your people have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit in our life and help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the sense that we're completely under His control in our life and we bear fruit under your glory Help us to be testimony of, testimonials of the gospel of Christ and help us, Lord, to bear that fruit unto you. In Jesus' name, and amen. All right, let's all stand, please, as we sing.